0: All about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the promise of his word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's all about Jesus. A radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linda Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus!
1: It's all about the Lord. Speaking of Jesus, it's, let me just read it to you right from the Greek dictionary. One who receives his allotment, his, his allotted possession by right of sonship. Now, in, in our way of thinking, if you're an heir, that means, you know, heir to the throne or heir to the kingdom, that means when dad dies, you get it all. Well, dad's not going to die in this case, okay? God the Father isn't going to die and Jesus is sitting around waiting to inherit. No, no, no. He's heir and and they both live eternally and he co-owns everything with the Father. That's what we're going to see as we look deeper. Um, Every man's Bible dictionary has an interesting insight. And let me just quote directly from them. It says, Prophets faithfully declared the word of God, but Jesus was God incarnate. The Son is creator, revealer, and the goal of the historic process. He is the heir of all things because he's the son of the father to whom all things ultimately belong. The very kingdoms of this world are to become the kingdoms of our Lord, his Christ. Now, you, you've heard it. You know, uh, he shall reign forever and ever. All the kingdoms, we got songs written about it. But I'm, oh, I'm going to love this journey through the book of Hebrews as we see the glorious reality of who Jesus is, that we could have full confidence. Maybe some of you have had encounters with cults who tell you, oh no, Jesus is just the Son of God. That's it, he's not God the Son. Or Jesus was just a man. Or some of the cults say Jesus was Michael the archangel, came to be uh, the Messiah, and then went back to being Michael the archangel. There's all kinds of crazy theories out there. Hebrews is going to clear it all up. Hebrews is going to put us right, okay? So here's your your first fill-in with the the, uh, attributes. The first of the seven attributes of Christ is found in verse 3. Number number one is, heir of all things. Now, as we're talking about heir of all things, I want to make sure you don't miss it. Not only is he going to inherit from the Father, it says, of all things. Holding nothing back. The Father doesn't say, "Well I'm God and I'm going to have I own all this but you can have, you can have this no Jesus Christ is heir of all things that's huge okay look through your telescope and find out it's huge all right now um, Colossians 1:16 and I'm going to bring some of my favorite verses from other books that just show you who Jesus is Colossians 1:16. For by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Just in case you think we're leaving something out. All things were created. Look at this. There's two things here you can't miss. All things were created through him and for him. I remember when I used to like to witness to the cults. I had a conversation with a Jehovah witness, and we we're looking at that verse, and they go, "No, no, God just made everything through Jesus," because there's some "through" in here. You, you've seen some of the verses, and so they they refuse to admit that Jesus is the Creator and that He is indeed divine, uh, the second person of the Godhead. So they say, "No, no, no." So I remember taking them to this verse, a Jehovah witness on my doorstep, and says, "Okay, l- let's read this last part. All things were created." Through him, there's the word through, and for him. I want you to understand something, my Jehovah Witness friend. You were created for Jesus. They don't like that. Because I'm living for Jehovah. No, that's not what Colossians one sixteen says. It says you were created through Jesus, for Jesus. So you got cult friends, you could... I have a little coffee conversation. Oh, some people can't drink coffee. Well, I have a little conversation about this. Okay, uh, here's another one in in the Gospel of John, uh, first chapter, verse three. And I'm reading this from the New American Standard. I love the way this is put. All things came into being through him, and apart him, excuse me, apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. If there's any questions, read it again. All things, now some, matter of fact, I think this is the verse where the Jehovah Witnesses put all other things in brackets, because they, that means that, well, Jesus was a created being. That's what some of the cults will teach you, that Jesus is a created being. When we finish the book of Hebrews, you can have a lot of more clarity on all this, because not only are we going to go to Hebrews, of course, we're going to look outside at some other passages, but so we, we've got... Uh, What did I just tell you? Number one is heir of all things. Number two is he's the creator of all things. Number two is, second attribute is Jesus is the creator of all things. That's what the Bible says. I hope you see it clearly, okay? Now, the third attribute we're going to look at today, all in three verses, right? Seven attributes. The third one is found in verse three. It says, being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person. And I'm going to keep reading, but wait, we're going to take this chunk by chunk. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. Hello? Can you conceive of that? Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. I know those times I introduce my wife and I say, here's my better half. It's like Jesus is God's better half. It's, it, it, it's, it's amazing. And I like the way David Gusek puts it this way. He says, In this sense, Jesus is the beam of God's glory. A beam. Shining beam. We have never seen the sun, only the rays of its light that come to us. Even so, we've never seen God the Father, but we see him through the rays of the Son of God. I like that. That's good. So, th- and here's something else you got to think about. If this was, description was of anybody else but God himself is blasphemous. That's why the cults think it's blasphemy to think Jesus is God. But if you call somebody, think of the best person you can think of, whether it's Moses or Elijah or your favorite preacher. Oh, they're the brightness of God's glory. Uh, that would be heresy. That would be blasphemy. But it's not blasphemy or heresy when you say that of Jesus. You could talk like that about Jesus. Jesus is God's shiny part. What? That's heresy. Read Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. He's the bright part of God's glory. So powerful. Okay, we're going to try to squeeze all of these attributes in. The fourth attribute of Christ is found in verse 3 also. It says he's the express image of his person. Just stop there. The express image of his person. Now, if you want to put something else in that blank, the New American Standard puts it like this. He's the exact representation of the person of God. He is is a perfect picture of God. Again, let me read you again from uh, Colossians. I read you verse 16 of chapter 1, but let me read you a little bigger section. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, New Living Translation. I love this. Look. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He's the visible image of the invisible God. That's good. I like that. The translators of the new living did, did good there. He existed before anything else was created and is supreme over all creation. Again, occult might translate that verse. He, is, um, he has existed before anything else, other things were created. But no, he existed before any creation. Jesus, the Son, and the Father created all things together and primarily through Christ. Okay? It says, uh, he's supreme over all creation. Verse 16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the... He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities, the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. There it is again. Don't just think, well, God created me through Jesus, and that's it, and so I'm just going to talk to God. No, you belong to Jesus. You were created for Jesus. It goes on in verse 17. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. We'll talk more about that in a second. Christ also is the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead in the resurrection. We've been talking about that in Luke. So he is the first in everything for God in all of his fullness. Oh, I love this for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross folks you don't want to you don't want to turn back Jesus is too important you don't want to well right now I just believe in Jesus that's it just Jesus but my old religion says I need them I need them and the whole package and the, the whole, all the system and the rules and the hoops you jump through. And you want that, really? You've got Jesus. Oh, it's so much better. Don't go back. No turning back from Jesus. You remember when, when Thomas was talking to Jesus and he said, Jesus, just show us the Father and that'll be good enough. Just show us the Father. <laughs> and Jesus in, in John 14, 9 says this. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Just show us the Father. Peekaboo. Look at me. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me, and the words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me? You want to know the Father? Know Jesus. You want to draw near to God, the holy one and only God? Draw near to Jesus, okay? So the fifth attribute, let's get through this. The fifth attribute is found in the last part of verse 3. It says that he holds all things together by the word of his power. He's the brightness of the glory and the express image of the person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Here's your fill-in. He's the sustainer of the universe. Jesus. Well, wasn't he just that man, that prophet, that he could only be at one place at a time? Well, that's who was fit into that body. That's the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is an incredible statement of the supremacy of Christ, the authority of Christ, the ultimate power of Christ. Matter of fact, if you look this phrase up in a few other translations, it's, it's interesting. The ESV says, He upholds the universe by the word of his power. The New Living Translation says, he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Now doesn't that sound like God to you? Who else could this be but God? And if we're talking about Jesus this way, it's just more evidence of the deity of Christ that Jesus is indeed God. The sixth attribute. We're going to get through this. The sixth attribute of Christ is found in the last part of verse 3. And let me just give you the fill-in right now and then we'll read it. He's our perfect and final high priest. Jesus is our perfect and final high priest. Let me read it from Hebrews chapter 1. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Can you see how we could do a series on each one of these phrases? But we're not. We could go slower is what I'm saying, but we're not. When he had by himself purged our sins, Jesus by himself purged our sins. Well, didn't he need our help? No. Didn't he need to go through this, this sacrificial system? No. Once and for all with one sacrifice. We'll look at that in a moment. See, now a prophet speaks to man on God's behalf. And a priest goes before God on man's behalf. But Jesus does both. Jesus is the only one who's prophet, priest, and king. You won't usually find someone who's a priest and a prophet. I think there may be occasions in the scriptures, but a prophet, a priest, and a king. Jesus is all three. And I like, oh, here's that verse I was thinking of, Hebrews 10:14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So much in here. Oh, I could preach on this verse alone. How much time do we have? Listen, what what this verse is saying is in the Old Testament, you want to go back to being a Jew? Sacrifices. Every day, three times a day. Every year, the Day of Atonement. All the sacrifices. Keep making sacrifices. Keep making sacrifices. Keep getting new priests because the old priest died. Jesus, one sacrifice for all time. He perfected forever. Now, here's a strange phrase. Speaking of you and I who trust in Christ, we're perfected forever, but it says we're being sanctified. On one part it's saying finished. You're perfected forever. On the other part it says the process. You see that? What it is, is he's declared you righteous. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 That we might become the righteousness of God in him. I have to say it faster. I'll preach on that too. That is... That is what we talk about all the time. Our position in Christ is we're perfected forever. Our practice, well, we're working some things out. I'm, I've been made righteous through faith in Christ. I've been perfected forever. But now all through my life, I'm working at becoming, acting like who I really am, perfected forever forever but I'm being sanctified it's an ongoing process okay now as for the statement he had by himself purged our sins of course purging your sin it means he's cleansed you from your sins he's purified you from your sins he's made you new and and the thought came to me as i'm studying this that that the glory of redemption is even more glorious it's greater than the glory of creation Just to make something out of nothing was pretty powerful, pretty awesome that God did that. But to take something rotten and make it good, (laughs) to take something sinful and make it holy, that's even more glorious. God did a glorious work in you in recreation by causing you to be born again, taking that which was spoiled and rotten and corrupt and making us new and fresh and righteous and clean. It's a whole nother glory. And the Son of Man came down, not to dazzle us with his splendor, but to cleanse us from our sins and make us, to make us fit for heaven. Let's look at a couple of verses on that. Titus 2.14 says that he, who, speaking of Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. By the way, you don't get saved by doing good works. You're saved because God did a good work for you on the cross. He made that once and for all sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You're saved by God's work on the cross. But now that we're saved, is that verse still up? Yeah, Now he he came to redeem us from all the evil and to purify for himself a people who are zealous for good works. Now that we're saved, we like to do good works, okay? You don't do good works to make, earn heaven, to work your way to heaven. You're saved by his good work and now I just want to live like who he made me to be. I want to live righteous. That's that's the picture of true Christianity. Hebrews chapter 7, we'll get there eventually. Verse 24 and 25 says, But he, because he continues forever, you know, the priest would die, but Jesus, he continues forever, and he has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. We don't trade in for new priests. We keep Jesus forever. He's our high priest. And a matter of fact, I like in this phrase, some of you have memorized this verse, he's able to save to the uttermost. I remember here, I think it was J. Vernon McGee used to say, friends, he could save from the guttermost to the uttermost. I like that because that's what he does. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. Now we're given this promise because of Jesus. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it goes on to say, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. and His word is not in us. You know how you get right with God? You just admit you're a sinner. He is the Savior. And you need him. God made it so simple to get saved that I could even do it. All I needed to do is say, Lord, help. I need you. Forgive me. Okay? We're moving along. I see the clock is ticking here in our sanctuary. But number seven, the seventh attribute of Christ is found in, I, I call it 3E, because there's so many things in verse three, okay? And, and I'll give you the fill-in, and then we'll look at the verses. He now sits in the seat of total authority. Your fill-in is total authority authority, That's Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1:3, let's look at it again, who, being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself pur- purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Now, I don't know if you know much about ancient cultures, uh, but if you sit at the right hand of a king, that's a place of authority. Okay, and another thing about sitting down, uh, high priest. If you just study the tabernacle and you study Jewish religion, uh, there was lots of different furniture in the uh, tabernacle. There was the table of showbread. The, there was the altar of incense. There was different furniture. You know what they didn't have in the in the tabernacle? Chairs. There was nowhere to sit. The job was never over. The high priest or the priests in the holy place never went. Okay. Whew, uh, time for a break and you sit down then you don't sit. the work was ongoing never ending and you don't sit down okay but Jesus work was complete he doesn't have to keep working the sacrifice was made for you and now he sits at the right hand of the father Hebrews ten twelve puts it this way this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God mm, mm, mm. that's my Jesus He's, he's now, oh, he's working at saving you, but you're a lot of work. So he's working at saving. He already did everything that needs to be done. And now he's sitting and he's interceding on our behalf. And this is the current position and status of Jesus Christ. And I hope you got all those because there's seven attributes and three verses. We squeezed them all in. And to sit at the right hand of any ruler indicates you're sharing in their rulership. And after Christ paid the penalty for our sin, and he provided the forgiveness of our sins through his death on the cross, he took that rightful place of highest honor in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. God the Father, God the Son. We keep it in the family, don't we? You know, in in, uh, kingdoms, quite often you see that in uh, kings and rulers. Uh, the, The son always inherits who's next in line on the throne. Well, it's my oldest son, right? That's how it always works. And from that place of ultimate authority, Christ continues his work of redemption, saving and rescuing and liberating and restoring. There's an act, his activity as mediator. Oh man, he ever lives making intercession for you and I. I love it. Now, the rest of this book as we continue in Hebrews, it will demonstrate the ways that Jesus continues his active saving and, and redemption process as, as both the sacrifice for our sins and our high priest, whoever lives to make intercession for us. So here's it. I, I was concerned I'd go long because I had so much to say today, but I think we got through most of it. And here, here's the bottom line where we end. Have you embraced Christ as your Savior? Don't turn back because that's the message to the, to the Hebrew people. You've got Jesus as your Savior. Did you come from a religious system? We've all come from some kind of religious system. Don't go back. I've had people, and it's funny because I, I don't know if I should even say because sometimes people get offended, but the religious system I came out of, I've had people say to me, come back home. Come back home to the blankety-blank church, whatever church you want to talk about. I could never go back. I got Jesus. Amen. That's all I need. I don't want to go back to that old system that, that traps and ensnares and controls and manipulates. Jesus sets me free. Why don't I want to go back to that? There's no other way of salvation. It's not through a church. God didn't say, I wanted to save the world, so I established this church. No, I wanted to save the world, so I sent Jesus. There's no other way to know God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through fill in a church name. No. No other way but through me, Jesus said. So if you know Christ and you've been wrestling and you've been tempted and you've been, you've been put through persecution or confusion, the message of this whole book is going to be don't turn back. You've got the best you can have. Everything else is either second best or loser it's Jesus and only Jesus. And, and one more thing before we close. If you've never embraced Jesus as Savior, I can't think of a better time. What is it? The four things God doesn't know? He doesn't know a sin that he doesn't hate. He doesn't know a sinner that he doesn't love. He doesn't know another way to heaven but Jesus Christ. And he doesn't know a better time to receive Jesus Christ than right now. Father, we bow before you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for the message of Hebrews. We look forward to continuing through this book. We we look forward to learning more and more about our Savior and all of his glory. And Father right now I want to pray for those in our midst. Maybe you listen to the sound of my voice online or on the radio later or right here in this room, Lord, if there's anybody who's been tempted to go back. Lord, Help us to hold to your word and know that there's no turning back. Father, for those who've never embraced Jesus, if there's anybody listening to the sound of my voice and they know that you're the way, the truth, and the life, but they've never embraced you, Father, right now, wrap your loving arms around them and pull them in. And if it's you I'm praying for, all you need to do is say, Lord, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you're the Savior. I believe you sacrificed your life for me, and I receive that forgiveness you offer. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to turn from my sins. But Lord, thank you for your sacrifice that makes it possible for forgiveness. Jesus, He's the resurrection. The love
0: we hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is why block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus.
1: Yeah, the power of His name.